All right, what's up everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments LLC and I'm coming to you live Facebook and live Instagram. <clears throat> All right, so let's get it going. So today we're gonna be talking about looking at long-term, not short-term, and staying focused on what matters, not on yesterday's problems. So <clears throat> real quick, let me just add this on here real quick. Hang on one second. Let's get this added on. Actually, I posted early. All right, so before we get started on these two subjects, I want to really quick go over um, the Wounded Warriors charity. I only have, I think, about I think a couple of days left. I'm trying to reach that $10,000 goal for the Wounded Warriors charity. It's a charity that I actually like out of out of any other charity, only for the fact that it's giving back to uh, the military, any vets that come back from service, whether it's physical injuries, mental injuries. Um, a lot of these guys come back from uh, the harsh war or the chaotic warfare, and then they have to come back into civilian life, and they have to somehow figure out how to get back, um, whether it's, you know, get through a physical, whether like they're missing a leg or an arm, they have to physically get, you know, get back into the civilian life with that disability, or they, they have some kind of mental dis disability, which a lot of them come back with PTSD. So I really, and I know a lot of veterans, a lot of people that have served in, in, in the United States military in some branch, Navy, um, I've met a Marine before, or actually she was a female Marine. Um, I didn't know her personally, but through Broward College, I met her. Um, <clears throat> but I know some people in the Navy that are vets. <clears throat> I've met a couple of people that I know that are going into the Army. Not technically vets yet, but you know, they're going in to serve. Um, my grandfather was a uh, Korean War vet. Um, I actually just met with a Viet Vietnam veteran who was uh, actually in the Navy. And he went on to the coast and um, did a lot of different different things for uh, for the Navy part of the Vietnam War. And I sat down with him. I actually have some notes. His name's Robert. So Robert's watching. What's up, Robert? So you know, I I met Robert by the way, just to let you guys know how random <clears throat> how random this meeting was. I I randomly ran into Robert. I got a call from, uh, if anyone knows, Dean Graziosi, which is one of the guys that I'm learning uh, the wholesale real estate from, through training and, and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, And I've read his book, Millionaire Success, Success Habits, which is actually in a phenomenal book, which anyone that's looking for a new book, definitely will get uh, Millionaire Success Habits. But I got a random call from an event, and I thought it was more towards real estate. But when I got there, they were talking more about like the stock markets and they have this uh, software that can help you sell and trade stocks and know basically when the stock market, you know, the stock was basically going to lose a lot of value. So it'd save you money. And then you, you, it just basically helped with the stock market, not really into stocks. So um, I kind of didn't really pay attention, but the guy next to me was actually Robert. And the reason I normally go to events like that is, you know, you never know what you're going to come across in the sense of, you know, either a product or um, I like to watch them present so I can learn because um, these people are, are pretty much big people. Like they actually sell stuff. So these people are actually big time salespeople. So that's why I go to see how they present and get a, a, an audience basically to get up and go and, and buy. And uh, the third thing is I always try to network. So, you know, you're obviously meeting like-minded people that are going to this, this type of event. So I figured, you know, it's people that are either in sales or some type of business. Uh, so that's why I always go. But I ended up running into Robert, who was sitting to my right. And he ended up asking me what I thought about the, the product they were selling. We ended up talking a little bit. And I told him, you know, I'm not really into stocks. And started talking. And he was wearing a Navy hat. And he started talking to me about how, he was in the Vietnam War. And I said, wow, that, that's, that's, that's amazing because, you know, I'm really intrigued by the different wars, even though, you know, I wasn't really too, <clears throat> I didn't really, I knew it, obviously we all know the Vietnam War uh, a little bit, what it was basically, like we knew it was a war. But if you ask most people, this is what I found really intriguing. I asked most people, why did the United States go to Vietnam to fight in the Vietnam War? Most people don't know why we were there or even what the war was really about. And that's what I had trouble with because uh, school didn't educate me on that part. 
they only educated us on wars that were, uh, you know, and I talked about this Thanksgiving too. Uh, we we kind of discussed that it was because it was a war that really wasn't it wasn't won by the United States. So we felt like that's why they probably didn't teach it, and um, you know, they probably briefly go over it, but they really don't discuss it in detail. You don't really know a lot about. Probably just briefly discuss what the war was based upon, and that was probably it. But um, the cool thing too that I always thought about was the Vietnam War is always like one of the the wars that is hyphened a lot in Hollywood and the movies uh, and video games. Um, I've played it a couple, couple video games where, you know, they take you into in the Vietnam jungle, basically, and you're trying to, to fight um, uh, like North Vietnam and normally you're paired up with South Vietnam. But <clears throat> so I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was going to be a one-time opportunity. So I, you know, I was talking to him a little bit about um, what, you know, what he does and he showed me like he was there cause he was into stocks and he goes in, and trade, you know, he trades with, uh, I think he normally goes to like through Wells Fargo and, and he trades with them and he gets like premium stock. But, um, I ended up talking to him and I was like, you know, if you want, I'm really interested in, in talking to you about your experience in Vietnam. That was like one of the most gruesome wars that was ever fought, um, with the United States. And I'm actually very, very intrigued, uh, to listen, you know, to listen to what your perspective was on the war and, and, um, you know, just to get your perspective, because you were you physically lived in in the war, basically. So I wanted to get his uh, perspective on it. And to be honest with you, I had no I had no clue about the war of Vietnam or anything. I didn't really have a lot of like uh, knowledge on it. So you know, I wrote down his number. Said, hey, if you want to give me your number, I was like, I'll give you a call later on this week or maybe next week, and we can sit down and maybe meet up and. And ha- just have a conversation about, like, the Vietnam War. I'm really interested. And he said, all right, give me his number. I actually procrastinated calling him, actually, for, like, a week and a half, two weeks. I ended up calling him. We set something up. And this last Saturday I met with – no, this last Friday um, I met with him for lunch. We sat down. He gave me a bunch of things to look up. So here's my notepad from sitting with Robert. You guys have some proof. He gave me a bunch of stuff to write down. So – uh, some of these are, I think, airplanes, and some of them were um, like the Navy ships that they had. Um, I think some other stuff. Let me see what else is in here. Wrote down a lot of stuff. Oh, he also was talking to me about trust because when we physically was, were at the the stock market, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call those. I guess it's more of like a um, presentation. Uh, he started talking to me about he has a trust and then, you know, I should get a trust. And I didn't really know too much on a trust. I kind of knew it protected like your assets and stuff, like your personal stuff. But um, I didn't really know exactly like how, how it worked and like what it looked like. So he brought his trust at lunch and he started going through and maybe take some notes on the trust. But uh, let me see if I can find something else that's interesting. But yeah, so basically he just gave me a bunch of things to look up and he's like, hey, when you look these up and you ever want to talk about you ever want to talk about uh, any of the stuff you just looked up? He's like, give me a call. We'll sit down and have another discussion. And he's like, we'll just, we'll talk more about it. So, you know, it, it was, it was probably one of the most interesting conversations I've, I've ever had with another human being because I didn't know a lot on the Vietnam war. I actually did like maybe three days before I met with him. I watched a bunch of documentaries. So I found out uh, the Vietnam war was basically the United States helping the South, South Vietnam, and they're pushing. They're trying to push back North Vietnam because uh, uh, the co- uh, communism was pushing through the North. And the the crazy part, which I realized, is like a lot of these wars are linked. Um, a lot of them are are pretty much like communism. And the other stuff too, which is pretty interesting, is uh, it's a lot of it's related. Um, like one war's ended, and the next war picks up kind of after that war. So like the Korean War was obviously, you know, we, we went to Korea. Um, and it was the same concept. We were helping the South fight the North. Uh, you know, we're helping South Korea fight North Korea with communism because the North was pushing down communism. And a lot of it had to do with like Russia and China. Um, like those, those are the two most communist, uh, countries and they were pushing communism down towards from North cause it was the closest to the, to those, uh, those two big communistic, uh, countries they're pushing it far south, like north down to south. And the south, you know, wanted to fight back. So we, as, as we were fighting in um, the Korean War, and that basically kind of ended, that's when we started getting into the Vietnam War, uh, which is which is pretty interesting. But so I, I sat down with him, 
And, uh, you know, like I said, I procrastinated. That was my fault. I procrastinated. I waited maybe like, like too long. And I called them and I was, and it, you know, at first it wasn't, it was an awkward conversation at first because I had to somehow, um, I had to get him to remember me and I didn't think it was going to work as good as it actually did because obviously he's older and I thought maybe he wasn't going to really remember, uh, to be honest with you and not saying that as like a, like a, like a dick. I'm just saying that because like, you know, when you get older, sometimes your memories are not hundred percent there. You, you forget things. So I, I thought it was going to be hard. And as soon as I mentioned, like, you know, I, I wanted to talk to him about the Vietnam war and the trust and stuff like that. He's like, Oh yeah, I remember you. And he, and then he was like, all right, like let's meet up. And uh, he was kind enough to drive. He lived in Pompano beach. So he was kind enough to drive to Coral Springs and meet with me. And, and it was, it was, I'm telling you, it was, I, I honestly like, cause I told a lot of people this story. I was going to go meet with him and they were like, I don't know why, like why you want to sit with him. And I'm like, cause it's, it, it's an opportunity that a lot of people are not going, like my generation is not going to be able to do that much longer because these, these guys are in the, these, these crazy wars, the Korean war, which is my grandfather served in the Korean war, uh, Vietnam, um, event, these, these people are slowly dying because they're getting, they're getting old. Like they're getting too old, uh, to keep living basically. And what's happening is, um, you know, eventually like my generation's not gonna be able to talk to anyone that's been in, in a, in a crazy battle like that, uh, you know, and in, in history basically. So I, I saw it as an opportunity where I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get this guy's number. I'm going to go talk to him and, you know, it'll help me get out of my comfort zone. Cause it's obviously talking to someone that's way older than me. He had about like 40 years ahead of me. Um, so when we were talking about stocks and stuff, you know, he was, he, he would laugh cause he's like, you have a lot more time than I do. Like I have to go a little bit aggressive and you could probably go a little bit more. Um, you know, you could, you could take a little bit more time on your decisions and stuff, but he's like, I have to go faster obviously because you know, I'm not going to live forever. Eventually I'm, you know, you know, I'm getting to that, that point in time where eventually I'm going to, I'm not going to be alive anymore. So it was a very interesting conversation. So if you guys have a chance to go and meet with anyone that's been in, you know, they're, they're a vet they're they're an old, old vet where they served in like Vietnam war, maybe the Korean war. I definitely highly recommend that maybe you try to link up with them and go talk to them about it. Um, cause it's, it's very interesting. It's actually way better than sitting in a history class. I'll tell you that. Cause I didn't pay that. I told them that straight up. I'm like, Honestly, like, I don't remember a lot about history only for the fact that I cruised by history and didn't care. And like, I was one of those millennials where I just kind of like sat in class and just did the bare minimum and didn't pay attention to the wars. So I don't know a lot on the wars and I have to kind of educate myself when, whenever I talk to someone about a war, but uh, it's definitely worth it. So by the way, so wounded warriors, that's why I was kind of getting up to the point with the vets, but um, go, if you're on Instagram, I put it in the, the comment, go help me, um, donate some money. I'm going to try to hit that $10,000 goal. Uh, and if we don't make it, I'm just going to keep going. So we're just going to keep going until I make it. Uh, and if you're on Facebook, you go to see more on the description and that's, that's going to take you to the link. All right. So we're going to start talking about the, the two topics. So the first topic is, uh, looking at things long-term and not short-term. And this is something that a lot of people I feel like have, uh, they struggle with because they want results now, right? So you're doing something, let's say you're at a job. We'll just take the job because I think more people can relate to a job. But um, <clears throat> you're, t you're in a job and let's say you just get, you, you're fi you're, you finally got the position you wanted and maybe, um, you know, maybe you're, you're not really like excited where you're at. Like you're excited because you got a new position, but at the same time, you're not where you want to be. And maybe, you know, you stick it out for a couple of months, maybe even like five months. and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm putting in all this work and nothing's happening, you know, and this, this could do with like sports. You know, you want to be the best, you want to, you want to make it to the pros or you want to make it to that next, uh, that higher level of like skill. Basically it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen probably within a week. It's probably not going to happen within like three months. It's probably going to happen within years of just doing the same, you know what I mean? Like doing the same exact thing. And just constantly um, repeating it and repetition and, and striving for the best you possibly can, even when you don't see results. And that's the hardest part for everyone. It's, it, it's definitely been a challenge sometimes for me because I'm very hard on myself. And when I get to a certain point and I'm like, all right, I'm not really, I'm not seeing results. I'm not seeing um, any positive outcomes. It's so easy for me to kind of just tell myself, like, all right, like, I'm going to go to something else. Um, which I, I honestly feel like that's why a lot of people don't, they don't make it to where they want to go is because they, 
They stop. They stop too early. They don't keep going, even when it's hard. Um, but the I've kind of trained myself. I always look at things long-term, so like these podcasts. I'm not thinking about, all right, I want to make five more episodes and quit. I'm thinking like I'm going to try to make it until basically like there, there's no coming back. <laughs> like I'm going to try to make it to episode 700. Right. So I'm only on 37. So 700 is a long way to go. And I'm only doing about two a week. So right for right now. Um, and it's not even like a, it's not even like a full blown show. Like I don't have production yet. I don't have anything. It's just kind of me going on live streams on uh, Facebook, you know, social media, basically Instagram and Facebook right now. And I'm trying to just figure out how to expand it. And, uh, you know, obviously I want to go get a mic and you're going to start getting uh, production, production value, um, put into it. But, the, the fact is you got to look at things long-term. Same with money, you know, and this is a hard one for most people because people, maybe they save their whole entire life. Maybe they save for five years and they only manage to save like 10, maybe 20 grand. And they're like, that's not, that's, it's nothing, right? Like, wow, I, I spent all that time, all that effort to save and all I got was $20,000. And it's because you looked at it like short-term, like you didn't look at it long-term, right? So the, this is something that, it's just going to take discipline. Like it's, it's, it's really hard. It's not easy. Cause you, you don't want to do the problem with a lot of us is we don't want to do something without a return. And a lot of things in life, you normally don't get a return right away. Like money, you know, building wealth, obviously if it was as easy as, all right, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do this magical trick and I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and have a million dollars in the bank. You know, everyone would be rich, but it's not the case, right? You got to take your time. And I don't want to say take your time, but you got to look at things in the long term. You got to look at things no matter what you're doing, whether it's a career, whether it's college. College is a good one for uh, my generation, millennials, because um, a lot of people are like, all right, I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to spend this amount of money. And I think if you're going, let's say, for a basic AA, which is basically what I did, um, you're looking at, you know, if you take every single class and you take the max amount of classes you can take and you really push yourself, they say it takes about two years, all right? So that's if you're doing everything 100% right, you didn't fail any classes, uh, you somehow managed to get all the money together and on time for the payments, and you somehow managed to get through, like I think in the max you can take is six classes, and you're taking six classes and you're passing all of them, and uh, that's about, I think, six, ter- I think it's, I think it's technically six terms. I think you have to go fall, spring, and summer um, twice each term twice. And that's, that's a year. That's two years right there. So that's the hard part is like most people are, all right, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, most people don't think like, all right, it's going to take me two years. And that's if I do everything right. I'm on my fourth year and I don't even have my two year degree yet. And that's, you know, I failed a couple classes. I had to retake a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of stupid setbacks that happened during it. Um, you know, I was taking only three classes at a time, which I don't regret only for the fact that, you know, I'm working hard at the same time trying to go to class. Um, and the other thing I tell myself too, is like, yeah, it's taken me four years, but most people would have quit by now. Like I'm still going and I'm about to pass stats, which is my second to last class. And then I have accounting one and, uh, I'm, I'm done. I'm basically on my two year, you know, two year degree. I'm a college graduate and I'm happy with that. And I got to try to work on, um, you know, finding a way to make money <laughs> as I basically, you know, I, I, you know, it's sad to say, but I technically wasted four years, but at the same time, you know, I, I did it for myself just to show and prove to myself that I, I wouldn't quit, that I have the drive and, and the ability to go and, and pass these uh, college classes, which some of them really kicked me in the ass. I mean, I, I had to take accounting two, three times. I think every single math class I've had to retake at least once. All right. So accounting one, I think it took me twice. Counting three, not accounting, I'm sorry. Um, college algebra one was two times. College algebra two is like three times. Stats is my second time taking. Accounting one, I think I've taken it like two times already. So this is my third time about to go into it. So basically all the math class I've had to retake. I've retaken stupid enough uh, art appreciation, which was just a stupid, stupid thing for me to even do um, to fail. But you know what? I got back up and even though it was an embarrassment for myself and to tell people that I failed um, art appreciation out of any class I could have possibly failed, 
you know, I, I got back up and I went and did it again and passed it and did all the stupid stuff I had to go do and pass that stupid class, to be honest with you. So you got to look at things in the long term. Think, you know, if you're looking at something short term, it's normally going to blow up in your face. And that was something that I, I ran into with Grant Cardone where, um, I mean, I'm, I didn't honestly have this kind of struggle. I always looked at things long term and I always realized the people that are going for a short term um, success normally didn't find it or they got it maybe for a minute and they lost it. And it's because they didn't think after, you know, after the short term win, like, what do I do next? So what I started to realize, I mean, I ran into, let me get into this part first, but I ran into uh, Grant Cardone saying like, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for like people to try to go into like the next trend. So think of money, right? Um, let's say you're investing in stocks and then this new trend comes along and it's like bit bitcoins right bitcoins came out pretty fast and everyone started hopping on bitcoin and, and what he was saying was if you're looking to make money fast in the sense of just hopping onto any trend you might get lucky it's like going to the casino you might get lucky and win big but you're probably going to keep playing and you're not going to drop out you're going to keep playing and you're going to lose everything because you're trying to go for the short-term gain again after you just you just lucked out basically so Something that sat sat on my mind um, up until this day too is uh, is that where you're talking about Bitcoin and everyone is going crazy about Bitcoin. It's going to be the new currency. It's what I heard all the time. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't get into Bitcoin. I didn't really have uh, you know, like I said, I'm not really into stocks, and it's the same idea as stocks, but probably a little tiny bit different. Like I said, I don't know really much about Bitcoin, so I can't really speak on Bitcoin. But um, it's it's the same idea as like you're just trading other stuff. That that part I know. It's kind of like stocks, but I think it's a it's it's got it's a little bit trickier or something like that. I, I mean, I don't I don't know a lot, so I'm not going to talk about a lot on Bitcoin. But um, just start thinking of long term instead of short term. Like you want to go to the gym, right? You want to get a shredded body. You're not going to go to the gym for a week or a month and just work your ass off, and and you're and you're probably still not going to get shredded, right? You have to commit long term to the gym in order to get the results that you want. So that's another, you know, big, big one. So that's looking at things long-term and not short-term. Um, I feel like I probably did pretty good. Actually, I'll give you an example. I like giving the examples because um, Ashma came to me because uh, Ashma is one, one of my good friends. Uh, she called me one time and I was like, hey, how, how can I improve these live streams? Like what, like, what do you like? And she's like, I really like how you give a subject and then you give an example of your own that's help that helps me like resonate with it. So I'm going to start sticking with trying to give examples of uh, something in my life that'll maybe give you a better understanding. Um, even though I gave like other examples, but, um, could probably long-term and short-term let's think. Honestly, I'm trying to think of something where I went short-term and like, like miserably failed. Um, long-term, I can probably give the, well, I already did that one. I don't want to do that. Um, well, the, the only thing I, I, that really probably comes to mind is probably college, right? So college, like I said, I looked at it as, you know, when I first wanted to register for college, which by the way, I, I never really wanted to go to college. That was probably a big reason why I wanted to finish because, I, I really didn't believe in college when I was in high school and like I didn't have the grades. I knew I couldn't get into the best school, uh, which is probably actually a blessing in disguise to be honest with you. But um, the the issue that I had was that I wasn't really driven to go to college. And then, you know, I kind of I kind of listened to like my parents and I listened to people around me and, you know, everyone's telling you like, you have to go to college nowadays. You're not going to get it. You're not going to achieve anything. So I thought to myself, you know, I registered for college, whatever, went there and like, the guy basically told me, looked at my transcri uh, transcripts from high school and basically told me that, you know, I really hope you're going to change the way you're doing things because uh, if you're going to keep it at a bare minimum of like 2.0 or like right below 2.0, like you're not going to, you're not going to do, you're going to basically drop out and you're not going to do well here. So, you know, that's how bad my grades were coming from high school into college, which I think now I have a 3.0 or a little bit over a 3.0, but, um, you know, just FYI, just to show you that I changed. But uh, the fact the fact was basically, I went there and they basically the school itself told me like, hey, like I really hope you're gonna change. And I I told myself like, all right, it's not gonna be too bad. I, I'll just go here for two years and just see what happens. Like I'll just register, 
attend some classes, see what it's like. You know, I, I didn't really know obviously what college was going to be like. I didn't attend. I just heard it from other people. And most people either talk like really bad about it or like most people talk good about it. And, you know, no one really tells you about the debt that people walk into until you're in college. Uh, and then I went attended some classes and I, and I, you know, I never really looked at long-term. And then I started thinking to myself, you know, I got halfway through and I started telling myself, all right, I'm going to have to commit long-term because I've already committed halfway through and there's no point in me just like back out now. I've already gone halfway through. I might as well finish it. I get like grant money. I get, you know, different types of stuff. I'm not really paying, um, even though like the last couple of terms, you know, I've been paying out of pocket for books and stuff like that. But, um, I started looking at it long term, but originally I was thinking short term. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go for a couple classes, see what happens. Um, you know, I'm going to probably just go for two years and I'm going to, I'm going to end it. And then I went through it and I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to go long. Like, you know, you, you shift it a little bit. Uh, but I'm trying to think, um, so I was like college, but I'm trying to think of something else where maybe I went like long, like I went short term and failed. Um, I normally don't really do things short term. I normally, once I'm set on something, I'm kind of stuck on it where I have to complete it. Like, it's just something that I was, I was pretty blessed with too. Like if I started something, I had to finish it. So if it was a movie and I fell asleep, it was, I, I probably would have to go back. I've done this a lot of times. I've rented a red box and I fell asleep halfway through the movie and I'm like, damn, I had to go back and watch the, you know, I gotta, I gotta finish basically the movie where I stopped where I fell asleep or try to, you know, it's hard to figure that out, but you know, you try to find it. Same with documentaries, same with uh, video games. I'm like, all right, I got to, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm achieving to beat this video game. I'm committed to this video game, right? Um, so Far Cry 5, like, that was a long game. And if it's a long game, you know, I'm going to stick to that game and I'm going to complete it. I'm not going to really jump around uh, games, really. So um, I've always had the long-term mindset rather than the short-term mindset. I just, I, I don't know why. What's up, babe? I don't really know why my mind was automatically on that. I think I just started paying attention to people around me. And, I, and like I said, I, I really started realizing that the, the people that really failed were the people that are thinking really short term and not really long term. Um, so I, mean, I don't know. I don't think I really have anything else. There's, the only thing I can really give you is like is the college one. And, um, and then I can just give you a bunch of long term uh, examples. But I think that's. And I gave you kind of a good amount of uh, other stuff too. So we'll move on. Um, all right. So the next one we're going to talk about is stay focused on what matters, not on yesterday's problems. So this was something um, I kind of talked a little bit about focus with my cousin on Thanksgiving. And uh, even though we got into like, like, you know, like discussions and stuff with uh, business, uh, we, we, we were talking about like AD, ADD, I think that's what, what it is, ADD and ADHD. I think are the two different ones and I was kind of talking to him about it and like, I didn't really know the difference. And uh, I think he explained to me, um, which I kind of honestly forgot. One of them is uh, you can't really focus. You're jumping around everywhere. And then the other one is, uh, damn, I think AD, ADD, I think is when like you're really hyper and like, you don't, you can't sit down and you can't really focus on a task. You're going to have to like go to the next thing. And I think ADHD was uh damn yeah i think adhd was i don't know i don't want to give you false stuff either because <laughs> i don't really know i don't really remember that part but we were trying to go over about focus a little bit and i told him like you know i i don't have a problem with um i was trying to figure out like if i had something too because i think he told me he had ad add i think is what it is and he said, like, I can't focus. Like, like, I have to jump around and do different things. And he's like, I don't know how it works, but he's like, most of the time I get everything done, but I get more done than the average person because he's like, I just jump around and I somehow manage to finish everything. And he's like, uh, uh, we started talking about how, like, you know, most successful people basically didn't graduate high school. They, they have a lot of, like, labels on them, like ADD and stuff like that or ADHD or whatever, uh, dyslexia, you name it, they probably got labeled it and they're, you know, they're wealthy people. Uh, they're one of, like they're in the 10% to maybe 1%. Right. And so we had this discussion and, you know, I was trying to, I was telling him too, like, I have, I don't have an issue like that. I have more of an issue of like, 
um, when I have something on my mind that I have to get done, I, I have to get that done. So like I physically have to get that done to move on to the next thing. But like I want to move on to the next thing uh, as fast as I possibly can. So like, you know, I start doing something. I, I wait, you know, I have to get it done. Like I'm focused on that one task. I get it done. Now I have to move on to the next thing. Like, let's go, let's move on to the next thing. And he was telling me that's like the, that's like normal thinking or something like that. And 80, 80 D is like people I can't, I can't physically do that. Um, which, uh, I don't, I don't really know if that's, <laughs> I, don't, I, I couldn't really figure out if that was a good thing or a bad thing or, or whatever. But the point of the problem that I'm trying to bring up here is, uh, you got to stay focused on what matters and on not on yesterday's problems. So even though I kind of, I was more talking about that for like the focus issue, but this one is really talking about, you got to stay focused on, on like a, like, like a, a solution kind of not really like the problem. And what we really like to do is actually like go back and like, let's say today you had a really bad day at work uh, your boss yelled at you, you, you didn't complete something on time, you missed a deadline, or maybe um, you did something wrong and you completely failed at it. And now you're, you know, let's say now you're on to the next day, you're on, you're on the next day, basically, come into work, and you're gonna, you're gonna keep thinking about yesterday, right? I, I messed up yesterday, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, I failed. Instead of looking ahead, or kind of in like, in that moment of time and like trying to like maybe fix it or come up with a solution where you can fix it. You're, you're too focused on yesterday's problem rather than today and, and the next day in the future and trying to solve it and fix yourself. Uh, and this is something where, um, I had, I, 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 I kind of still kind of struggle with this one. I'm not perfect at this one at all, but, um, I got into a habit of trying to like, talk to myself, which, which is a topic I wrote down on my phone, uh, which I probably talk about, um, Wednesday, I'll probably actually talk about it, but I got into the habit of talking to myself, um, not out loud, but in like my head. And I realized that when I want to do something, normally my mind tries to talk me out of it. So I have to kind of talk to myself and, um, like I had an issue like maybe a week ago where I did something with the blog. I, I was working on the blog and trying to get events up for Broward College and I ended up messing up pretty bad. Um, my grammar is not the best. Like my grammar is terrible when it comes to t like the um, like sentence structure, all that, all that stuff where you, you really should have. And it's because I don't think I paid attention too well in school with grammar and it came back to bite me in the ass. But um I was doing a couple of things and my boss didn't really like it. And I, it was like confrontation type stuff. And I felt really bad about myself. And what happened was like throughout the day, I, I kept, I, I only could focus on that. I messed up and I couldn't focus on getting ahead or, or getting back on task and or track and what's up, Edwin could get back on track. And I was trying to basically figure out, um, how to get past that. So I had to kind of talk to myself in my head. And I had to basically say, like, all right, you know, it, it happened, it's over with, it's in the past, and I got to move on to the, the present and the future, and I got to start trying to come up with solutions to fix this issue. Um, so what I, what I actually kind of did was I took a stick, uh, sticky note, and I started writing down the stuff that, uh, you know, my boss didn't, you know, criticize on, on the event. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and just wrote on the sticky note and I put, and I put it somewhere where I'd see it. So that way I would remember not to keep doing it. And it, it kind of helped me move past it cause I wrote it down and I wasn't focused anymore on that problem. Like, all right, I got to not do this again. I got to not do this. It was in front of me and I, and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to put any effort of thinking. I don't have to do anything. So it was kind of something where I, I don't think I purposely tried to do that. I think I kind of accidentally did that. But one of the great strategies that I've come up with to get through something that's in the past to push me forward and get over it kind of kind of thing and, and move forward was um, just kind of talking to myself and just being like, it's, it's okay. Like it happens, you messed up. Like and you just, you just got to keep going forward and you just got to keep putting energy towards like a solution and not, not on that, you know, can't focus on that problem. And um, that's something that has worked for me. What's up Sterling? What's up, man? Um, but that's just something that's worked with me. I've always had to kind of like 
talk to myself because even if I wanted to take action on something, like I actually had, it's funny enough, they were talking about, uh, you know, talking to yourself, like, like in your mind, I came up with, uh, what's up, babe. I came up with a, um, like when I was talking earlier about the Vietnam vet where, you know, I wanted to, I had to give him a call and I waited like a week and a half, maybe two weeks when I probably should have called him like three days after I told him I'd give him a call and I waited a week and a half to two weeks. Um, I actually physically had to talk myself into dialing the phone and calling him because like I, I didn't feel comfortable giving him a call. And that was something that I learned uh, with that, that I just have to physically talk myself off the ledge. And I listened to something, I think it was a motivational, um, it was a motivational speech. Uh, and they basically, it said like, you got to talk to yourself. I think it was actually Les Brown was the motivational speaker. And he said, sometimes you have to talk to yourself to get yourself to do something. Um, because, you know, the more you wait, which is what happened, the more I waited, the more I didn't want to make the call or I made up an excuse not to make the call. And instead of instantly reacting, I kind of just procrastinated. I'm like, all right, it's uh, 3 p.m. I'm going to give him a call at 6 p.m. And I'd wait three hours. And the three hours would basically talk myself off the ledge. And when 6 o'clock came around, um, my mind was already like, you know what? I'm just going to do it tomorrow because I waited three hours to take action. So uh, my mind's like, all right, like already on like past today. And it's like, all right, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And I had to physically tell myself like, all right, like you're going to pick the phone up right now in this car before you leave this, the, the parking lot and you're going to press call and it's going to call him and you're just going to figure out what to say. And that's kind of what I had to do. And, uh, it's, and it, it worked out. I mean, at first I'm telling you, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the most interesting conversation at first. Uh, it was, it was really, it wasn't comfortable for me at all at first. Cause like, I'm like, all right, like, I don't think he remembers me. Um, I didn't know what to call the event because I think I called it ceremony, which is really stupid. It wasn't a ceremony. It was like more of a presentation, but, uh, which I think threw him off. <laughs> I don't think he knew what I was talking about, but, um, it eventually worked out because I, I figured out what to say for him to remember me. And I said like, Hey, like I was doing that was sitting next to you at the, with the stock markets. You, you showed me your stocks. Uh, we talked about tr the trust that you had and, and why I should get one and, and a little bit about that you're a Vietnam War vet. Um, and it just magically all came together. So I just had to take the action. And normally that's all you have to do. If you just talk yourself off the ledge is what they, what they like to say. Yeah, sometimes talk yourself off the ledge to take the action and everything will work out. And, and it's something with fear where um, I don't know – it's something to do with our brains. I think our brains automatically go into like, uh, wow. I paused my Instagram. All right, there we go. We're back. Uh, but it's something to do with um, your mind automatically thinks of the worst, and your mind is very negative. And for some reason, you you automatically think of the worst, and like fear plays a big role into it, and it just basically talks you yourself. They say the worst enemy isn't other people around you. It's yourself because yourself normally talks yourself off the ledge before you're even at the ledge. Like you have a good idea in your head and then maybe an hour later or maybe 30 minutes um, later, your mind's already at the point where it's like, I don't want to do that. Like it's a bad idea. I don't want to do that. And like, you'll talk yourself off the ledge before someone else will basically engage with you and talk your and talk you off the ledge. Uh, so it's something, it's something where, you got to just talk to yourself. It, it sounds stupid and it sounds, it, it doesn't sound like it'll work, but it, it does. It's something that really does work. You have to really talk to yourself, which I'll go into more detail at that. Um, I'm telling you, I'll probably do that Wednesday now that we're talking about it. This is one thing that I realized that I heard it and I actually did it before I heard it. And I realized that's what I did before, you know, if I go on a job interview, I had to like talk myself. I had to go and meet with someone new, like, uh, with Robert, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I had to go meet him and like, it's, it's a, it's a random person. I have no connections, no ties to, I randomly sat next to him at an event, um, and talked to him maybe for like 30 minutes. All right. Talked to him for 30 minutes and then I had to go and drive and go and, and hope that he was going to be there. Cause you know, I didn't know if he was going to forget, you know, to go meet me there. So, um, you know, I had to physically talk myself into driving there. 
Uh, so it's, it's a big issue that I think a lot of people don't do. And a lot of people probably won't do after I say, cause they're going to, they're going to think that I'm stupid or I'm crazy, but I'm telling you that it, it really does work. You got to like talk to yourself and just kind of like get your mind to be on the same page type, type, uh, type thing. But that's, uh, even though we got a little off topic, but I mean, it's a little, it's good, good tips for you guys. But, uh, so that's, uh, staying focused on what matters and on yesterday's problems. We'll talk about Dundee investments, LLC for like 15, maybe 10 minutes and then, uh, we'll cut it. But, um, but yeah, so keep, keep that, uh, keep, keep, uh, that topic in your mind for Wednesday. Uh, we're going to talk about more about like talking to yourself. I'll find a different topic on my phone that I wrote down. Uh, that'll go well with that. But all right. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC. And what this company is designed to do is to help people that, um, that are in financial situations that need to get out as fast as they possibly can before, you know, basically they either go uh, into foreclosure. Um, they have a lot of liens on their properties, uh, job transfers it works for. Uh, if maybe you're in a really messy divorce. You just want to get rid of the house really fast. It works for that. Um, those are like the, those are the typical ones that, that you mostly see with this type of, uh, this type of, um, work with like wholesale real estate. And there's other ones too. This basically works for anything. Even if you had like a home that doesn't really have any problems. Um, and maybe you just want to do like a quick sell. You don't really want to go through a real estate agent cause they charge a lot of, on commission. It works for that too. Um, but how this works is I, I take you, let's say the seller, and I pair you with a investor that has the capital to go and flip your house. So the steps, there's three steps to how this works. The first step would be for us to somehow um, communicate. So either through social media, uh, text, phone, um, email, any way that me and you could basically uh, communicate back and forth with some questions that I have that you have to answer on your property. Uh, so basically like minor things like you have anything wrong with your house, you have any broken windows, uh, just to give me and to basically un for me to understand your situation. So like everyone's situation is going to be different. Um, you know, your situation might be, you have liens you're trying to get rid of. Another person might be going into like pre foreclosure. Uh, so they're about to, you know, foreclose their house and the bank's going to take ownership of the home. Uh, someone else might just have to get out really quick within the next week for, you know, they have to go and do a job transfer. Um, so everyone's situation is going to be different. So I do prefer a phone call. I think the best way to do this would definitely be a phone call. It'd be quicker. It would be easier on probably both of us rather than going back and forth, answering questions. Um, you can get more of like a straight answer through it rather than, you know, trying, maybe you set me an answer and it's kind of, I, I don't really understand. It's not really, um, the answer wasn't really precise and maybe I need a little bit more clarification. So just the phone call is probably the best way to do this. Be a hundred percent honest with you. Uh, step two would then be once we got all the information, I understand your situation, the condition of your, your property or home. The next step would be for me to personally, for us to come up with a date and time to meet at your property. And we would discuss, you know, I can answer some of your questions in person uh, you're probably going to have some questions about it. The other thing too is I'm going to bring a sheet and I'm going to go and, and do an inspection of the house uh, just to see, you know, like if you need windows repaired, you have, you've got to repair your roof just to give me a, a visual on how much estimately it's going to cost to put your house in mint condition. And from there, um, I'm going to take five pictures inside your house and five pictures outside. And all that's going to do is, when I go back home and I try to find an investor to, to match with your property, I'll have uh, physical evidence proof of the house. You know, it, they'll be able to look at it and, and be able to come up with, you know, if the numbers are meeting, that's, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to give him a visual of what the house looks like. And then I'm going to give him the sheet of, you know, all right, this window is going to cost us X, Y, and Z or, you know, we got to repair the roof. It's going to cost this amount of money. So it's just to give them a sheet um, of how much estimate, estimately it's going to cost to put your house in mint condition, fixing the problems with your house. That's all it is. Not, not a big, not a big issue. Just, you know, simple, simple as that. And what's going to happen is then when I get the investor, 
um, you know, I, I match you with the investor. What's going to happen is I'm also going to have to do a little bit of homework and figure out how much uh, your property is basically worth. And that's going to, how I get that number is I have to do comps of your neighborhood and try to grab the three closest houses uh, to yours with square footage. Um, you know, basically as close as I possibly can get with the size of your house. And I have to try to get three houses as close as I possibly can and uh, see how much those houses have sold for. So once I get that, I'll get an average price for your house, the value of your house. And then from there, you know, I'll deduct the cost of how much it's going to take to repair your house in the mint condition that we just discussed. And that's, that's basically what um, I'm going to, you know, show the investors, you know, this is, this is basically how much money you can make off this house if you put it in mint condition. This is how much that house is really worth. And this is how much money it's going to take to repair it to get you to that, that condition, basically. So, um, so just to basically give the investor, you know, a lot more information so he can make a logical decision on if he wants to um, basically buy, buy your house and invest his capital into it to flip it and make money off the house. Now, how this works after that point, now we're on step three. So once I get the investor on board, once I get you on board, um, I'm gonna give you a call and we're gonna talk and we're gonna come to agreements on the terms and the conditions of how this is gonna work. So I'll give you the, the price that, um, that we would basically need for the investor. And at the same time, what's up, Austin? What's up, man? At the same time, once we do that, we're going to basically go and, you know, work out the terms with you. So we're going to agree on the price. We're going to then agree on the terms that you need. And then from there, we're going to um, move on and go into a contract form where me and you are both going to sign the contract with the investor that's going to partner up and take on, on the responsibility of flipping the house, basically. And how this is going to work after that point is then, then the deal is completely done. All right. So the, the deal is completely done. And from there, what we're going to do is you're going to walk away with cash as you're, you're the one that's basically selling the home out of your financial situation. You're going to walk away with the cash that we agreed on with the terms of the contract. And then from there, the investor is going to flip it. He's going to make his profit off the home. And then he, the investor is going to then pay me a finder's fee for putting the deal together. And that's basically why uh, the motto or the saying for Done Deal Investments LLC is where the, where the deal is already done. Because I'm, my job is to put the deal together from you, the seller, and then the other person who's the investor, and to put the deal and the contract and the terms all together so then that way it's a peaceful transaction. So, you know, I got to work with the investor and I got to work with you and I'm doing all the legwork. So the cool thing with this is you're not going to pay me commission. The investor himself is going to pay me the commission. And I don't really call it commission. I just, I, it, it's really considered a finder's fee because I'm putting the deal together. I, I, you know, I ran into you, I found you and then I'm putting the deal together and I'm giving it to the investor. But the cool part about it is that all three parties win in the sense that, you know, the seller or the homeowner gets out of the financial situation clean walks away with cash to then go in and, and go get another property that they can possibly afford. And then, um, you know, you're not paying anyone. You're just walking away with the cash. Now the investor's happy. Obviously he's flipping it. He's making money. And then done deal investments is obviously making a profit off of it to then move on to the next person. So everyone's winning off this deal. It's a, it, it really is like a, an amazing resource for homeowners, which is what I'm trying to, I'm really trying to promote as much as I possibly can through a podcast or anything uh, I can get my hands on uh, is it's just another resource for a homeowner that's in, in financial situation. They're underwater. They can't go to a uh, real estate agent and have them sell their home in the next week, you know? So it's just, a, it's another, I like to think of it as another resource for homeowners or property owners uh, to get them, you know, out of the, the really bad situation as fast as possible. Um, the other thing I wanted to uh, talk about, I think was investors, but if you're an investor, if, if you're like just an investor that's looking for under market deals, uh, reach out to me because I'll put you onto a buyer's list 
And that way we could help uh, more people that are in the financial situations together. And um, you can let me know, you know, what you're looking for. And then that way I'm not wasting your time and just showing you this house and you're not interested in, uh, in that type of house or the condition that it's in or, um, you know, whatever you need basically as an investor, just reach out to me and then I'll put you on my buyer's list. Probably give you a phone call. I, I really prefer the phone calls more than like emailing. I had a couple investors email me what they wanted and stuff. And I don't like it cause it doesn't give me a face to face or a personal reaction with the other person. I just feel like I'm sending like a, you know, like a, just like a text message almost, but I'd rather just do a face to face on the phone and that way I'll get to know you better. We'll, we'll, you know, I just feel like it's more personable to be honest with you. But so if you're an investor looking for under market deals, reach out to me. If you're um, someone that's in a really bad financial situation and really needs a, a way out of it, reach out to me at done deal investments, LLC. Um, if you know anyone, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's just someone that you know uh, and they really need help, have them reach out to me. Um, and if you're a real estate agent, um, we can work something out too because I'm always looking for someone to help me find uh, like pre-foreclosures or actually like foreclosures mostly, um, something where I can't really physically go out and find on my own. Maybe it takes more resource from me. And maybe you can just help me find more um, opportunities uh, to grow my business. Um, and, you know, we'll work out how I can pay you. Maybe just give you like part of like a commission on it or something like that. But um, so reach out to me. My phone number is 954-857-6450. My uh, email for Done Deal Investments is dundealinvestments at outlook.com. And then... You can reach out to me on like any of our social medias and just, you know, do the inbox, like a direct message. So I'm on Facebook. We're on uh, Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, you can even reach out to me on my personal profiles or even at Done Deal Investments LLC uh, on any of those social medias, those social media platforms. Um, and that's basically all I have really for Done Deal Investments LLC, but what I'm going to start probably start doing is uh, doing the, the slogan for it. Uh, I really want to start getting the slogan out and I'm going to start marking a little bit more towards the slogan for done deal investments because I feel like that's really, that's re it really defines what the done deal investment, um, the brand basically is what the company really does. So I think, I think I'm basically done. So that's done deal investments, LLC. Um, yeah, that's it. So again, my name's uh, Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Have a great Monday, everybody. I'll see you Wednesday and take it easy. Peace.